How's everybody doing today? Oh, good. Man, sometimes with those old hymns, they had, they had something going. Um, I know one that always gets me choked up is I love to tell the story. Man, by that final verse, I'm, I'm all crying, ugly crying, and oh, it's good. So it, it is good. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you all. It's good to be able to share God's word with you today. Uh, Richard, do we have the, the slideshow up? Hold, please. There we go. All right. So today, the title for today's message is called Certainty for an Answer. Certainty for an Answer. Our main passage is going to be 711. <laughs> it's Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. And, <clears throat> and our big idea that we're going to be exploring together today is that prayer is the means by which we receive God's good for our lives. Prayer is the means by which we receive God's good for our lives. We've been going through a series on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we've been at it for a while. We're in the home stretch. Um, next week, I think, will be our last week in it. Um, but we've been going through the series, and it's this time where Jesus was meeting. It was early on in his ministry. Jesus was meeting with his disciples on the side of a mountain by the Sea of Galilee, and he had been going around preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God, and he'd been performing all these miraculous miracles in front of everybody. And, um, and so he took this moment to really expand on this idea with his disciples, where he, he's been basically laying out for them the culture of God's kingdom in a way that kind of helps us understand more fully how God's culture is not our natural culture. It's not our natural bent that we have um, because of sin, that we somehow don't line up to that higher good that God has in mind for his kingdom. And so it's not meant to be this kind of drudgery sort of thing, but it is meant to challenge us and to encourage us toward growth and to growing in our walk with the Lord. And so for the past month or so, we've been in a section on, of the Sermon on the Mount that's been dealing with spiritual practices um, that we participate with in our daily lives that really help influence and shape us into the object of our devotion, uh, meaning that we're, we become like what we worship, and if we are worshiping God and we're practicing our, our different things of worship or spiritual practices as a focus on God, then we're going to be made more and more into his likeness and start adopting that culture into who we are. And so a couple of weeks ago, we covered the all-important practice of prayer uh, as one of these topics in Matthew chapter 6. And today we get to see an expansion of that practice of prayer. Um, we've covered in our series kind of the who that we pray to, who of prayer, uh, God the Father himself. We've also covered the how of prayer, sort of the nuts and bolts of what makes up prayer. And today we're going to be exploring the why of prayer. So as followers of Jesus, when we pray, 
there is a certainty for an answer. There's a biblical precedent that's laid out by Jesus that assures us that on the other side of talking with God, there is some kind of a response. That when we're, we pray, we're not just speaking to the open air, to the proverbial brick wall. Christian prayer is a conversation with our creator, the living God. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't some awkward pauses in the conversation, um, or that somehow God always answers with the affirmative, green light, resounding yes, sometimes the answer is no. But what it does mean is that we pray in faith, anticipating that God will speak. God will give an answer, and that will ultimately lead us to that big idea that prayer is the means by which we receive God's good for our lives. <clears throat> to help get our minds focused on this topic of prayer, I want to share with you two different experiences I've had going fishing. You can go to the next slide. Uh, growing up, there were a few times, few, that I had the privilege of going fishing with my dad. Uh, there are lots of ways to go fishing. There's lots of places to go fishing. Um, but more often than not, we would end up sitting along the side of a lake, setting our lure, and then casting out as far as we thought we could towards the middle of the lake, not often getting there, all in hopes that we would catch a fish. Now, the whole time growing up, I think, I may be exaggerating because it's a fish story, but I'm pretty sure I only caught maybe one, maybe two fish. And really, my dad helped me with that. And so in that effort, really, that experience of going fishing was more of a time of bonding between my dad and myself. It wasn't really to go catch fish, though it was nice when we did. And, um, and that was fun. Now, fast forward a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to go out on a guided fishing boat trip on Odell Lake. It was the first time in a long time that I had gone fishing and evidently there were a few technological advances to the sport since my childhood uh, so there we were we were in a boat this time not just sitting on on the side of the lake but we were in the boat uh, going out on the lake and the driver of the boat was helping us find the congregated fish down below with sonar technology we're really cooking now and so um, sure enough over the course of time um, I got to catch the biggest fish I've ever caught in my life and probably ever will unless somebody wants to take me fishing. Um, just throwing that out there because I'm not that good. But um, I caught a fish. Hey, we, and uh, I caught uh, what's, uh, it's a big lake trout called a Mackinac. That was a really proud moment. And then, I don't know, I got my millennial snowflake on and I was like, oh, you poor thing, you're dying. Uh, you're bleeding. What, what's going on here? And so, uh, so the guy who's driving the boat, he helped me clean it and all that, and it was good. But I invite you to be impressed because I caught a fish. Um, I reeled it in. Now, the thing, looking back on my experience of fishing as a kid compared to the time when I was fishing with my dad, um, when I was fishing with my dad, the point was spend time with my dad. When I went out on this excursion, the point 
was to catch a fish. That's why they have this technology that they use now to help you catch a fish. Um, and so, isn't that a picture, perhaps, of how we approach prayer? That for some of us, we, you know, we sit on the side of life once in a while, and we cast up a prayer in hopes that our prayer line catches God's ear, and that maybe, just maybe, we might get an answer. Maybe, you know, maybe you're here today, and maybe there are uh, times that you've given up on prayer because you've gone praying, and you haven't caught anything. Or maybe just a few small things. You've felt defeated, and you've lost heart in this activity called prayer. And so just like how I was a fair-weather fisherman, um, and still am to this day, um, maybe you've been a fair-weather prayer in that way. I believe wherever you're at today, in relation to your prayer life, our passage is an invitation to you and me to kind of reignite that prayer life. That we could reignite maybe an understanding of why we would go to pray in the first place. Because there's a certainty for an answer. Because prayer is the means by which we receive God's good for our lives. So, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. You're probably already there. You're so good. Matthew 7, beginning in verse 7. It's also up here on the screen. All right, here we go. Jesus, speaking to his disciples, said, Ask... and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread will give him a stone. Or, if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Amen. The certainty for an answer. Before we talk about the reasons why we pray uh, that are found in this passage that we just read, I want to take a moment and define one of the words that came up in our reading, and that is the really common word, good. You can go to the next slide. So when Jesus was talking about God the Father giving us good gifts, what exactly was he describing? That word for good that's used in Matthew 7, 11 is the Greek word agathos, and that describes something that's inherently good in its nature, whether it's seen or recognized as good or not. And it's usually something that's both useful and beneficial. So in a way, we can find this idea of good illustrated in the Gospel of John chapter 6. You can go to the next slide. Oh, no, that's right there. Never mind. Stay where you're at. So um, 
And we won't turn there today just because time. But uh, in John chapter 6, it's that famous moment where Jesus feeds the crowd of the 5,000 uh, with a mere uh, five loaves of barley bread and two fish. Now, think about that for a moment. When you think of soul-satisfying, delicious bread, what is the kind of bread that comes to your mind? Take a moment. I can almost guarantee you barley didn't make the top ten. <laughs> um, and yet, in that passage, if we were to turn there this morning, we would find, so this lunch that Jesus multiplied and it fed the 5,000, it so satisfied the people's need that they were ready right then and there to make Jesus their king. And isn't that amazing? When was the last time that I experienced God's barley for my life and that prompted me to say, okay, that's it, God, hold the phone. That's good enough. You're my king. I'm going to make you my king. That doesn't often happen that way. Who knew that something as hearty and substantial as barley could have such an effect on people? Um, but as something useful and beneficial, that was God's good for them. That was good for the people. Now, the point is this. The good that God offers you and I is actually good and beneficial because it gives us what we need. Um, borrowing the wise words from uh, the rock singer Mick Jagger from the Rolling Stones, you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you might find you get what you need. Ooh, yeah. Now, <laughs> with this definition of good in mind, let's explore some reasons why we pray um, and that we can lift out of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. The first is, you can go to the next slide. Maybe. Hold on. Hold, please. The first is that God welcomes our inquiry. There we go. God welcomes our inquiry. Jesus begins this teaching by issuing the command, ask. Jesus didn't say, share some details with God. He didn't say, just drop a hint here and there, or even just state your wants or your needs, um, saying, oh God, I want this, or God, I need this. Something that Angie and I have been working with our kids on for quite some time, it's still a chore, um, though they're getting better at it, um, is this idea of go moving beyond just stating what you want and moving to the place of actually asking for it. I have some examples. So uh, my son Owen will sometimes come up and say, boy, I sure wish I had a cookie. And my response typically is, yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> Um, or, I want milk. Wow, so do I. Or, I really want that toy. I want it so bad that if I can't have it, I think I'm going to die. True story. That's happened at least one time or so. And that's pretty extreme, isn't, is, is it not? Now, some other examples. Dad, can I have a blanket? Sure, yeah, give me a second. Or, you know, um, or if they ask Angie, Mom, can I have some ice cream? Usually it's too close to bed. No, we're not getting any ice cream. 
It's too close to bedtime. How could you say that, Stephen? <laughs> Taking my kids aside. I know, right? Right before bed, get them all riled up. Give them good dreams and everything. Now, there's a difference there, is, is there not? And the point I'd like to make with this is, is this, is that God is not afraid of your questions or your requests. All you need to do is ask. In fact, he welcomes your askings. He commands it. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Did you know uh, that as a, a child of God, through faith in Jesus, you're welcome in his presence? Did you know that God is approachable? That he wants you to exercise that freedom that you have in Christ to pray and to bring your issues to him in prayer, whether it's your inquiries or even just talking to God about your day, however good or bad it might be, God hears us and he wants to hear us. He actually wants to hear what you have to say. So when we have a conversation with God and we inquire of him, we're really saying that we believe at least three things about him. You can go to the next slide. The first is that God is approachable. On the foundation of our relationship with him through Jesus, we can go before the king of this kingdom, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the living God who created us. We can go to him. We can actually approach him. Next. God is able. We believe that God is able. When we pray, we're saying that we believe God is able. God the Father has it within his power to supply all our needs. God knows your needs before you even ask him, and he's willing to give us all we need for life and godliness. And as we learned from Matthew 7:11, as a good father, God is willing to give us good gifts. It's not an inconvenience for him. It's not a drudgery. He wants to do it. Not like when my kids ask me for milk and I'm sitting on the couch and I don't want to go get the milk in that moment, right? God is able and God is willing. You can go to the next slide. Now, the third thing that we're saying when we pray that we are believing about God is that God is active. God is present and working in and through our lives. Asking means that we are embracing the understanding that there is something that we cannot give ourselves, but God can. We don't have it within ourselves to make it happen, but God does. It's like, next slide, as the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians 3.20, he said, Now to him, meaning God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. When we ask, we are agreeing with the Bible that God is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. And something I find really compelling about this part of Jesus' teaching is that with every command, there is also a, a connected promise to that command. So, for example, it says, ask and it will be given to you. And the way that that's written in the original language 
it communicates that that future result is going to happen. You can take it to the bank. Jesus didn't say it may happen. He didn't say it might possibly happen. He said absolutely for sure there is a certainty with everyone who asks, they will receive. It will be given. So that begs the question, what is it? What is the it that is given on the other side of our ask? I believe it's an answer. It could be a yes, and we celebrate those yeses. It could also be a no. It could be a not yet, which feels like a no, right? Now, whatever the situation is, God will give an answer. All we have to do is ask, because God welcomes our inquiries. And prayer is the means by which we receive God's good for our lives, whether we recognize it or not. Now, next slide. The next reason we pray is that God honors our seeking. I know that's a little clunky of a phrase, but God honors our seeking. Jesus continues his teaching by giving us another command for prayer, where we find the word seek. And that same word that's used there in Matthew 7 is also used in the directive from Matthew chapter 6, 33, that says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Now, the Greek word that's used there is the word seteo, which means to seek by inquiring. It's kind of like a detective uh, going about trying to get to the bottom of a case. They go around asking questions, uh, and inquiring about a certain situation that they're looking into. They're seeking out that information. And when you look into a subject or something, you look, you seek, you inquire about it. To seek, in this sense, means to pursue intentionally. This is not an accidental glance. This is not being caught off guard or unawares by by God or whatever he's trying to bring about in your life, you are intentionally seeking something, right? Now, considering that this section was said in the same sermon, in the same area as Matthew chapter 7, I would submit to you today that when Jesus gave the command to seek and you will find, it's actually an invitation to seek after God. That is to pursue God intently. Because the best thing that you could do for your life would be to pursue a relationship with him. Let's read uh, some other passages from the Bible that talk about this idea of seeking. From Deuteronomy 4.29 it says, But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Psalm 34.10 says, Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Isaiah 55.6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Jeremiah 29.13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And finally, James uh, 4.8, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Seeking God is this principle that's woven throughout all of scripture 
that when we genuinely seek God, we will find him. Now, did you know that God is attentive? Did you know he pays attention to you, that he's actually wanting to, to be known by you and be found by you? Wherever you're at today, I believe God wants you to know that he sees you and he loves you. And the truth is, this side of heaven, none of us are too far gone to seek God. Every breath we breathe is a second chance. Every heartbeat in your chest is another opportunity for you and for me to reconnect in a relationship with our Creator. Friends, are you seeking Him today in this season does God feel close to you or does he feel far away? In seasons where God has seemed distant to me, the Bible reveals that there's this standing invitation for me and for you, each and every one of us, to go deeper and to seek after God in our day-to-day -day lives. And the promise is that when we seek him, we will find him because prayer is the means by which we receive God's good for our lives. Now, the final reason, last reason, that we pray. Next slide. There we go. Is that God responds when we pray. God responds when we pray. Jesus wraps up that instruction with the picture of prayer being like knocking on a door, saying, knock, and it will be open to you. Notice that he didn't say knock and the door will stay closed. He didn't say knock and the door might open, maybe, possibly, if the door feels like it. No, he said it will be opened. So let's go ahead and unpack the two parts of that phrase, uh, the command and the promise. First, think about what it means to knock. Okay, I'm knocking on this podium right here. Okay, there's a physical action connected with that. It makes some noise, demonstrates an intent to get through to whatever it, or whoever is on the other side of that, that object that I'm knocking on. If you're knocking on a door or you're knocking on a wall, for example, you're trying to get through, you're trying to communicate to whatever is on the other side of that. Now, in Luke's gospel, uh, gospel of Luke chapter 11, there's a similar account where Jesus is teaching his disciples about prayer. And he uses this parable to drive home his point. You can go to the next slide. He says, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in bed. Hallelujah. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. The command to knock is to go out of your way, to be audaciously persistent in prayer. Here are some examples of what knocking might sound like in your prayer life. You might say, Lord, I have this situation at work. I need your help. 
Another example might be, Lord, Father, I lift up my kids to you. I lift up my grandkids to you. I lift up my family to you. They need you to step into their lives. Would you please do that? Another example could be, God, my life is falling apart and I'm at the seams, and I don't know how to put it back together again. I need your help to help bring things back together and bring that healing. You could just say, God, I need you. Or maybe it's just that simple one-word prayer that, that transcends all of time and space and just crying out to God and say, help. Help. Jesus' command to knock was the same idea from that famous line of the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, that says, and I'm paraphrasing, whatever it is that you need to talk to God about, trivial or not, take it to the Lord in prayer. All right, so if we knock, and that, that cause of the door, or that knocking is the cause of the door opening, cause and effect, then what's the significance of the open door? Does it mean that just because you've asked for it, that it's going to be 100% absolutely exactly what you prayed for? Kind of like Janis Joplin's song, Mercedes-Benz, where she sings, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? There you go. There's picture there. Now, maybe... Uh, you need a car, and that's a very, that can be a very real need. I know somebody, uh, boy, two people this morning, two separate people in different situations, they both need cars, and so, I mean, that's a legitimate need, but for Janis Joplin, she was a singer. She was raking in the dough because of her success as a singer and all that. I don't know that that's a very honest, authentic prayer, but here we are. Does, would it be that God answers that prayer exactly? I don't think so. Uh, you know, is it in God's power to do so? Absolutely. Is it possible that he, he could do it? Without a doubt. God has moved in mighty and outstanding ways as a result of prayer, but is that probable? I don't think so. And you can disagree with me, and that's fine. Uh, we can have coffee later. And, and whatnot, but if, if that's the case, if that's not what it means, then what does Jesus mean when he says the door will be open to you? It seems to me, as I read the text, that it's yet another example of that certainty that God will give an answer. Because when we metaphorically pray, knock, the door is open. And on the other side, there is some answer. It could be a yes. It could be a no. It could be a wait. Not yet. It could be a not on your life, buddy. That's not really what's best for you. Uh, it could be any, any number of answers. But regardless of whatever the answer is, Jesus is abundantly clear that there will be an answer on the other side of our prayer. So why is Jesus giving these commands to his disciples? I believe there's at least two clear reasons for this teaching on prayer. You can go to the next slide. The first is that it's illustrating, it's Jesus giving them an example of the actions we take through prayer. Next. Good. Yep. 
And the second is that it reveals the heart of the one we're praying to, God the Father. Uh, did you know that God is accessible, that God's available to you, that God wants to have a relationship with you and me this morning? He wants to be found by you. He wants you to knock. God wants to pour out his blessings and his favor and his good on your life. And maybe, it's not the only thing, but maybe the, the reason we don't feel it or the reason we don't realize it is maybe because we don't knock. Maybe our attitude towards prayer is more like, well, God, it seems like you're probably busy with the other nine billion people in the world, so I guess I can just white-knuckle through this and I'll, I'll be okay. Maybe your attitude is, I don't want to bother God with this. You know, really, it's just a trivial thing, kind of, you know, compared to other things going on in the world, and we just kind of, we, we try to downplay whatever the situation is. Whenever we take on that perspective of prayer, we're truncating whatever it is that God might want to do in and through our lives. After all, so if we were to turn that phrase around where Jesus says, knock and it will be open to you, if we were to turn that phrase around, it would sound more like when we don't knock, the door doesn't open. And so the invitation of that command to take, is to take action by praying and expect God to answer our prayers because prayer is the means by which we receive God's good for our lives. Now, we've established from the text that certainty for an answer is the reason for prayer. And when we walk out of this room and we go and try to apply that to our lives, there will be times when we get to celebrate the yes answers, the affirmative to our prayers. And it really does feel good when, when God says yes. But how do we deal with the disappointment or the silence that can come receiving an answer that we weren't hoping for? It's kind of like going fishing. But unlike my earlier example where the tips, uh, or the trips to go fishing were few and far between, and really one of those trips was, had any kind of guarantee to it, I, I'd like us to consider the avid fishermen. Finding pictures of people fishing is kind of hard online to find like the nice picturesque sort of thing. Anyway, um, consider the avid fisher who makes a regular practice of going fishing. They take the time to educate themselves and equip themselves for fishing. They prepare uh, by carving out time. They usually schedule it out that I'm going to go fishing on this day. I'm going to have to get up at this time to make that sort of trip happen. And that's all a part of their regular rhythm of making fishing a part of their life. And then when it the time comes, they go to that designated fishing place, they cast their line in, and they wait for an answer. Sometimes it comes in the form of catching a fish. Sometimes it comes in the form of catching a bunch of the underwater foliage uh, that's there, and sometimes it, the result is nothing, that you, that you don't catch anything. 
But for the avid fisher, whatever the tangible result may be, they are still committed to going out the next time and doing the same thing. The way this applies to prayer is that just as a fisher casts bits of things into a lake to catch something, we take our issues to God in our conversations with him, expecting an answer. It's easy to see that the fisher wouldn't have caught anything if they just chose to stay home and hit the snooze a few more times and not go fishing at all. And in the same way, we won't receive an answer from God if we don't engage in prayer. And so the invitation of prayer in Matthew 7 is an invitation to keep asking, to keep seeking, and to keep knocking, because God welcomes our inquiry, he honors our seeking, and God responds when we pray. So to close things out today, let's pray. And, uh, and, we'll, um, and then we'll do the closing blessings, and we can uh, carry this on with us throughout the rest of our day. Father God, we thank you that you are good and that you have our good in mind. God, I thank you that you are sovereign over us, that whatever the enemy means for evil, you turn it for our good, and that even in the valley, you are faithful, and we can see your goodness. God, help us to keep looking for you, to keep seeking after you, to pursuing that relationship with you. Lord, remind us to keep asking and to keep knocking. And Lord, would you help us grow through the times when there's silence? Help us to keep pressing in to try to hear your voice more and more. Help us to turn our attention to you more, not trying to get distracted by all the things that could capture our attention, but God, that we would be seeking after you. And so Lord, today, I don't know all the things that each and every one of us are going through today but I'm willing to bet there's something we need to take to you in prayer. And there's something that you care about in each of our lives, that you have some kind of an answer for us, and there's some kind of an answer that's going to help us both grow in our lives and grow closer to you. And so, God, I pray that you would speak to my friends today, that as we go from this place, Lord, that you would speak that they would hear your voice clearly and that they would uh, practice that perfect submission where all is at rest. Us and our Savior, happy and blessed. God, we worship you this morning. We praise you for all that you have done and all that you're going to continue to do in our lives. And I pray, God, that you would encourage each and every person here as they go from this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, would you stand with me and uh, receive this as your benediction? <clears throat> Thank you for joining us today.
Um, and as we go from this place, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Have a great day.